The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. This is the Anime Roundtable Canada presented by Anime North. You can contact us via email animeroundtable at gmail.com, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Anime Roundtable, and on the web, animeroundtable.com. How long has it been since we've done a regular episode? Probably a month. More than a month. Probably closer to a month and a half. I'm I'm beginning to think. Like I mean, I, right now I have to look this up, so I will because you know. It, it, I heard it, it, you guys it, it got thinking. together for a recording that you just released uh, recently. Well, that's the funny part. Okay, last episode was episode seventy nine on February twelfth, two days before Valentine's Day. So on this Friday evening, March the 24th, 2023, this is episode 80 of version two. Congratulations, guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing the journey for um, at least the last 60 plus episodes. Are we you're officially past version one in terms of regular episode count now? Regular in terms of just sheer recordings, I guess. Right. Or just like numbered episodes. Oh, I think we got into the seventies, right? It was late seventies. I want to say it was seventy-eight or even seventy-nine or seventy-seven or whatever. Seventy-six is the one number that uh, comes up to me. But okay, like I should be looking at Spotify right? right now. If anything, we could look it up. We could look that up later. And then what else? What else have we recorded? Yeah, and then we've done two space years. I, I, I broke your train of thought there, uh, James. What did you say? No, I was just saying uh, slowly but surely, right? To get up uh, the number of episodes. Well, yeah. Well, so we have the gang all here. Uh, Mike Nicholas uh, sitting at six points. We're all online again, by the way, uh, in the uh, StreamYard studio. James Austin, Mohammed Shamarki, Kevin Ng, uh, Amy Lynn Gregg. So it's a nice. To, it's just nice to have all five of us around the table again, just to just to catch up. Because as I said, it's been. About a month and a half since last episode. Although, who who did last episode with us too? I'm just, now now that uh, now I have to look that part up. Good lord! I think it was myself, you, Kevin. Well, every uh, and you know, all five of us were around the uh, th the table for episode seventy nine as well. Yeah, no, I thought so. Good. I'd say I'd say right now, do you um do. James and Amy have anything to say about the Space Eater chat that we did uh, 10 days ago, but the March 14th episode, or the March 14th Space Eater chat, only went up 
uh, earlier this afternoon. Yeah, you put it up, I think, as and of this recording, maybe in the last three hours, Mike. Yes. Well, oh, so I guess what you're trying to say, was there too much St. Patrick's Day partying from you guys? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I admit I'm suffering from some sort of... Well, I'm recovering from something. I'm not sure it's a hangover. You know, I was never much of a drinker because I don't like not being in control of my own body. Yeah. Because you usually need some sort of balance to achieve a good buzz. And I've only ever had that good buzz once. I'm sorry. I've never been able to replicate it. I've only had just a headache and then thrown up. Yeah, I usually will just throw up very quickly. No, that's me. I I can't. If I do get drunk and then after I puke, I'm just okay. And then... I actually prefer it that way. I yeah. I, I cannot I cannot hold my liquor. I don't even try anymore. And, and yeah, I, I really don't yeah, I don't like it when I feel nauseous like that. And uh thankfully those few instances where that's happened have usually been in someone's house, not out in public. Well good for you. I, I can't say that's the same the same for myself. Well, I figure mm. they can provide some green, uh, non-alcoholic stuff because what was it? McDonald's keeps on talking to people about what the shamrock oh, shakes or whatever on, on, it is. On the topic of things that could potentially make you puke, and and the other thing too is, uh, depending on what type of alcohol it is, nowadays, if uh, what will happen is within a few hours, my nose will start getting plugged and it'll generate mucus. So I don't know if that's like a gluten intolerance or if it's something else, but uh, that's usually one more reason for me to not drink too much either. No, that's fine. And honestly, I'd rather spend that money on alcohol towards like another appetizer or something. Something that actually does does uh, make you feel good afterwards. But I will say, like, immediate run. But I will say, I've had good whiskey in the past, and oh yeah, that. It's like now that I know those subtleties, it's like I don't think I can ever go back to certain brands. Cool. As but I said, it may be never, never to be my thing. To actually, to answer your question, um, I got about twenty minutes into the um, space heater before the most recent one because I use the website to listen usually. Oh yeah, and I don't um, update because yeah. uh, for the most part, um, or at least after this past year, it felt kind of like nepotism or weird to have like anime roundtable as my top podcast on Spotify. <laughs> so I'm trying wow. to not listen to it <laughs> on Spotify. So it's um, so my top podcast isn't one that I'm featured on sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, remind me. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I'm also guilty of that. I haven't updated the website. The first 20 the... minutes were mostly about um, seeing the um, movies uh, in Mississauga or Oakville. There was a lot spent on the Oakville border. Um... Oh, you guys had said <laughs> yeah, you were going to see a movie, so... So is it easy to see a movie now or it's still difficult and more expensive? Yeah, well, I don't know what to add to the whole Kaguya-sama thing now. So I guess the real question is, 
are we going to get together and go and see Makoto Shinkai's new movie next month? Oh, it's next month? Um, yep, April, next yeah. month. Yeah, what is it? What, what was the date? 14th? Was it the 14th? Correct. April That's 14th. what they were saying yesterday. They talked about the dub, and they said in North America, Crunchyroll was going to send it out on the 14th, but since they have to deal through uh, Cineplex, it might be a tiny bit later. You never know how it goes with those things, right? But mm-hmm. maybe it's like the One Piece and some of those other ones they've been doing recently where it's more of a general release instead of an event release. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Which is smarter, I, too, right? Get more people in there. It'll... This one I'm confident that that'll do fine. Okay. Well, I, I don't know what else to add to the uh, first uh, ha- space year we dig. That was so long ago now. I guess, were you talking about the award shows too, since you had mentioned that uh, before, I remember. Do you want to go through that just quickly? Because uh, we did mention the nominees uh, some episodes ago. Back in January. Uh, the anime, I thought I was going to say uh, oh. it was Oscar season, wasn't it? So were you yes. talking about those awards or no? We did talk, then we talked at length about... about uh, it was a respectable show, right? No shenanigans, right? Mm, no, not really. Did no one punched about, or slapped uh, anybody. Nobody got to my knowledge. Nice, some really heartfelt speeches. I mean, I think I think uh, Kihui Kwan has gone viral again. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty Nick. safe. Good for Chris him. Rock uh, had his live special on Netflix, which was interesting on a number of levels. It's kind of like come full circle, right? How they said yeah, we're going to cut the cable. Now we're back to cable because Netflix is doing live events like that. Yeah, and you're getting some very, very across-the-board thoughts on it. I haven't seen it yet. Well, you know, that one, it was a very, as you said, it wasn't just about the Oscars. Chris Rock was talking about a lot of things, but it was a very Chris Rock show and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. he did it his way, and it sounds like it was quite a thing to watch. It's interesting how you look at certain articles that comment on how seemingly unhinged will smith's family is and you know i who knows what's true and what's not but it, it you can't help but wonder sometimes and how like the one normal air quotes normal person is the one son from his first marriage who basically keeps a very very low profile yes i could gather yeah probably just as well too Actually, thinking of the Oscars, I never took note. Did they actually finish it on time? I was at work, so I couldn't tell you. Is Mono? Uh, no, it went it went long, but I think they did it on purpose. With, where they were talking about how, just you know, we'll, we'll we'll give everyone an award. You know, we'll we'll display all the minor awards. You know, we need to know who who won in makeup and who uh, who's done best. Um, they did. They didn't do the uh, sad uh, orchestra music to kick them off. They, they tried, but then there's like, you know, some of these are kind of big names. You don't want to do that, right? It's it's weird. I mean, I, I like the Oscars because I like award shows, but I don't know. It's 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 an interesting thing. <laughs> okay. The important thing is Disney didn't win animation. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. So I still haven't you know, seen <laughs> Del Toro's Pinocchio, so I'm intrigued to see how that is. Hmm. I can't like, say did I, any of you watch that one or no. Yeah, I haven't. No, no I haven't. I haven't. It's okay. it's amazing. It's um you know stop motion. Um, it is um 
definitely a different take on the story. Um, if you think to children's book um, versions, um, or especially the Disney version, um, it is drastically different. Like it follows the beats of the, I guess you could call it the fairy tale um, or the um, fable, whatever classification the original Pinocchio is. Um, but it um, takes things in both a more realistic um, and a more um, sort of surreal supernatural direction. Mm. Um, so instead of like the, um, you know, blue fairy character is more of a um, almost religious looking figure. Like it's still humanoid, but it takes um, beats from um, biblically, biblically accurate angels. Like it has, you know, multiple eyes all over it. Oh. Um, mm. There is an um, equivalent to the, um, uh, the blue, the blue fairy, um, which is uh, death. So it's sort of um, Sphinx like character. Um, but it takes place in a very specific year, and there are certain characters and political movements and political figures that cameo in the film and are fairly important plot points, which I was not expecting. And it makes for, you know, a little dramatic undercurrent, um, as you know, along with the um, sort of excellent um, animation that is very um, del Toro in um in style um you know Guillermo del Toro um has that sort of you know known for the pan's labyrinth um you know spooky um monster um you know horror type of things and it definitely does um play into that um to some degree um a lot more talk of death um as he is uh one to do as well um but it comes together um really well like um it's it's enjoyable. It's I wouldn't call it a kids movie. Um, I'm sure some kids, you know, would enjoy it, um, especially if they can get around um, spooky puppets, you know, spinning their heads around and um, <laughs> enjoying the sensation of being on fire and you know all, all these sorts of things. But you know, it's it's a triumph. I mean, I think I sound like a movie review, but saying triumph of animation, like it is. Um, it's up there with like the Leica productions as far as um, animation stuff. I think I like Leica style a little bit more when it comes to stop motion, but it's mm. it's just as beautiful mm. in different stylistic ways. Don't know what to add because I have a strong endorsement, like, but it sounds like yeah, nice, nice endorsement. And like for completely different reasons, Puss in Boots was great too. Um, like, I yeah, I, well, I know a lot of people were hoping for Puss in Boots, right? And it yeah. was incredible that it got nominated, right? So yeah, I heard it was pretty competent. Like artistically, Pinocchio was you know probably the right choice, but um, Puss in Boots, which I guess is Puss in Boots too, um, it was a surprise surprisingly like good movie it was heartfelt um it had you know some intense moments the animation definitely um aping a little bit off of um into the spider-verse but not um not completely just playing around with um you know animating on every other frames in certain um scenes to um you know make certain action scenes flow differently um yeah, for like, you know, if you're talking about, you know, sort of like the, 
you know, CGI kids movie. It it sort of blends that with something a little bit more ambitious um, and makes something really imp- like impressive for, you know, in kind of a more extreme way when, um, when Kung Fu Panda came out, I think people had incredibly low expectations and, you know, it presented something, you know, fairly heartfelt and interesting. And Puss in Boots 2 kind of, I think it's called The Last Wish. Um, it does that even more so. Like, you know, the expectations of something in a Shrek franchise movie, um, it, you know, does quite a lot. Um, quite mm. a lot well. I, As I said, just, I don't, can't, I can't say I've kept up. It's just, it's just life for me. That's the thing. It's the reason we haven't uh, done anything lately here, right? Well, Dreamcast has always been capable of making good films in their animation department. It's just, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's not consistent. It's just, it just seems like every so often, yeah, like one just really hits hard. Like I think of the original Shrek. Just, just so you know, you said Dreamcast, which is amazing. (laughs) 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 I didn't want to say it, but hey. Dreamworks. (laughs) Dreamcast had some animation, technically. Yeah. I love Sonic Adventure. I, guess we'll I wouldn't find out to... praise its animation. Power Stone, <laughs> Crazy Taxi. <laughs> uh, well, don't worry. It's like like we'll talk about Nintendo animation next month, right? Even oh, though yeah. it's uh, yeah. Illumatune doing all the heavy work for Mario. Okay. Well, what else do we... Well, I, I guess since we're talking awards as well, now let's uh, let's get it into the anime talk. Crunchyroll Awards did happen. Uh, when was it again? Exactly, it was in early March, right? Yeah, it was Correct. early March. Yeah, it was in Japan, and obviously they streamed it worldwide. And they had, uh, I guess, some announcements uh, as well and stuff like that. But it was March fourth is when it happened. And the winners are kind of what you would expect. It's basically the big uh, series and stuff like that. I guess for some, if they want to say they're surprised, maybe anime of the year because it went to Cyberpunk Edge Runners as the winner, which obviously they never had anything to do with. That was from Netflix, but uh, probably a lot of people said well deserved on that. And then other ones like Best Film went to Jujutsu uh, Kaisen Zero and Best director went to um, the person that did uh, the Demon Slayer uh, Entertainment District arc. And a lot of the others, like the odd one, though, I say, and we talked about how you put things in odd categories, right? Like best comedy winner was Spy Family, right? Mm -hmm. And that different people could say different things, whether they felt it was more comedy or more action, right? No. Yeah. I haven't like, watched it. But yet, so. uh, for you, Mike, you could at least say uh, Best Romance went to Kaguya Sama Love is War Ultra Romantic. Right? Yeah, so. no surprise. Yeah, in many respects, maybe I'm not surprised, but there's a bias there. The And, and then continuing series, I guess, no surprise, One Piece, because One Piece is a juggernaut. Like, there is some, I guess, fan when interaction, right? End? So I think that plays into it, right? When will it end? Okay. Well, the question is. If you're a new anime fan, should you start it? Because oh, some people have that, mentioned that it, isn't this that is a great one to start on. What One is, Piece? Yes. Yeah. Isn't that why not? a million dollar question? There's a reason why it's running so long. Uh, and there's a reason it, you'll. It has a, 
great story. If you can get past the cartoonish art, that because that's not everyone's jam. If you can get past it, it's it's a great franchise to experience. It really it is. It's like you have to, I guess, set up chunks you want to watch, right? And then maybe certain ones you can stop and not watch, like recap episodes or things of that nature, I guess. See, it honestly is a lot easier to get into it through the manga. I knew people back in the day who would basically, in one week, catch up to One Piece at that time. So at that time, I want to say... It was when um, Thriller Bark or Water 7 or Impel Down was still fresher and was more current at the time. So it was easier back then because it was maybe only 500 or so chapters versus the over 1,000 chapters we have now. But yeah, going the anime route would take considerably longer because you have some filler arcs, but, but they're usually not that fillery. It's more so just them animating the like side story panels that happen in between certain uh volumes and chapters and but eventually you do get to the point where the anime slows down in that they only adapt one chapter per episode so you get the full four minute opening sequence you get eight to ten minutes of recap of the previous episode and then the second half is the new content that's when it gets a little harder why why does that sound like uh the why does that sound like the demon slayer movie Hmm. i'm sorry and they do this because they do not want to do filler episodes anymore that's the impression i get at least why Is is this a good thing Hard to say, but I guess it is a better thing because with how long some of these arcs get now, it's hard to slot in filler. Okay. Why start the One Piece anime now when the Netflix live action is is just on the horizon? See, that's the interesting <laughs> part. Uh, okay. No, no, this, I think that's actually an interesting point to bring up, but I, I can only speak to this on a personal level and... And ultimately, anecdotally, because that's how I learned a little uh, enough or the basics of the Bleach story by watching the live action. And it made me respect it. I'm not totally sure I'd get watch how much more I'd be. I'd give myself time to watch the uh, the Netflix movie. Yeah, that Netflix live action. A that, that, years that, kind of, that kind of covers the basics. Yeah. And that's just a start. See, those first 16 episodes of Bleach were such a vibe back then. It had so much. And we're talking about anime. It was so cool. Like, Bleach was so cool early on. It's a different. It becomes several different shows um, or series if you if you look at the or chapters, I guess, or um, if you're looking at the comic. Um, but I love that um, that sort of Earth arc of of Bleach at the beginning. Like it, you know, it has um, you know that Shaman King Yu Yu Hakusho again. More first couple episodes of Yu Yu Hakusho, um, mm-hmm. like energy to it, where you know you're in this sort of 
um, semi-urban, you know, part of um, Tokyo. I think Bleach is specifically Kamakura. Um, And, you know, there's the supernatural elements, but they're sort of mysterious and, you know, sort of in the background. Um, And, you know, once you get to Soul Society, it is a very different energy. Hmm. Okay. And I hate how they never truly went back to that. They tried with some of the filler, um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it never becomes the same. But it's a shame because, yeah. like, I like some of you know Ichigo's like non supernatural friends, like and um, yeah. Don Don Kenoji, Like you know, there's oh, there's some him. there's some fun things um, in that sort of Earth side of things um, that isn't really covered. Like a lot of um, you know, uh, Chad or Sato's backstory um, on the Earth side of things. I think it resonates a lot more um, when you're in Japan versus when you're in, you know, afterlife Japan. And I always felt like Totsuki's character was never really utilized after that first arc either. I felt like she could have been utilized a lot better. It was set up and nothing happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so Kevin, regarding One Piece, um, I, you know, I read a fair chapters when the big Shonen Jump magazines were still coming out. So yes. like, I'm actually fairly familiar with um, the material that um, the Netflix's um, first season is supposed to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think like, you know, going from episode one to the end of Arlong is going to make sense for 10 episodes? Like, is that Ooh. possible? Because they, they've confirmed that's what it's going to be. Like, I think they've cast Arlong and everything. Um, so it's going from episode one to the end of Arlong. And I feel that, like, from what little I remember, they, they'll they need to cut quite a bit or mer- yeah. really awkwardly merge things. Um, in or, in order mm. to make that work. See, I do feel like Arlong would be the ideal stopping point, at least in terms of plot progression, because the Arlong Park arc is the first instance where you r- truly feel how emotionally impactful One Piece can be because of what happens to Nami during that arc. And not to say that Sanji's uh, introduction wasn't like wasn't impactful at all. Like it is to some degree, but Nami's really you really feel it with Nami's uh, circumstances in that arc. And I have always told people if if you don't feel anything by the end of that arc, then yes, drop One Piece. Hmm. As I said, don't know what to say. So, so I, um, I sort of read um, up to Arlong uh, when I was reading, and then I completely, you know, avoided One Piece for years. Um, my only um, exposure to kind of like what I'll call the middle section is I watched a um, Bon Jovi AMV that uh, that showed the crocodile fight, um, but. I went into like years and years later, like just maybe four years ago, um, watched, I'd say most of water seven. And I still enjoyed Mm. that. Like I don't, I didn't feel like I was missing too much. 
Um, yes. So I, I, I'm at least, I think there are things you probably can skip. Um, but I think it helps if you probably have a guide who knows One Piece to help along that way. Yeah. See, Water 7 is an excellent arc. I would say it's arguably the best arc at that point. And then, but people will, like, those who were able to make it to the Impel Down arc, ooh, that is when, people will say that is peak One Piece. Because, how do I put this? A big event happens that, and it's something that didn't really happen up until that point. So when it did, People reacted like fans were just floored with the events that took place by the end of that arc. And this was also right before the time skip happens in One Piece as well. So so for, for Arlong Park, you mentioned how it's impactful. Do you think it will be impactful if it's two or three episodes at most? Because I'm thinking if it's 10 episodes... Um, like that first episode might be more than the Zoro introduction then mm-hmm. um, because I like I've been I mean I was already like struggling when I knew that the new Shaman King anime was going to be 52 episodes long yeah that was disappointing to hear and, when I knew it was only going to be that long and and knowing that One Piece is trying to go even more condensed um, I'm like what are they going to skip what are they going to like try to combine um because even you know i wouldn't call myself a one piece fan but i still you know i was in the zeitgeist when it was coming out um Mm. and i know you know these arcs probably better than any of them it's like that's a lot of content for 10 episodes even if they end up being 40 minutes yeah like i'm assuming it's gonna be a standard like yeah 40 to 50 minute length episode because you have to cover okay i would assume you have to cover episode one and then because, you know, Sanji, Zoro, and Usopp are all there, so you have to cover those two. So, like, do they cut? Do they cut out Mihawk? Like, do... Mihawk has been cast, so okay. in some ways, no. Um, I'm guessing Sanji will be, like, Sanji's arc will be one episode. Um, same with Usopp. They'd like, have I think to really can... cut down on Sanji's arc, I would imagine. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Well, we'll we'll see. When, when does One Piece the One Piece live action come out? Like, do they? Uh, was it next month? You said, Amy. I don't think it's that soon. I think maybe June. I forget. Okay. Wait, are we talking the Netflix one? Yeah. Yeah. That's not for like a while. I thought it was like fall winter type deal. Really? No. Really. Was I mean, it... there's no trailer. I mean, then again, it's Netflix. They like to spring <laughs> stuff on us. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like they'll probably need to cut out a decent amount of expository uh, backstory in terms of showing Usopp's backstory and showing Zoro's backstory. Like, or maybe they cut out like Buggy and Alvida. I don't know. You can't mm. cut Buggy. Literally, well, you can cut Buggy. That's his thing. Um, <laughs> but so Google tells me One Piece is just 2023. We don't know anything else aside from Actually, that. Yeah, because Buggy does linger around later on in this in One Piece. I like your optimism okay. that Netflix One Piece will last longer than a season. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's 
it's gonna have to not be as mediocre as <laughs> story mode cowboy bebop but well and you know that that'll be the comparison i'll think so. of it this way they got to build the ship for one piece they probably want to use that for more than one season I mean, you would think that, right? <laughs> they wouldn't CGI it? Okay. Oh, yeah. No, they're, no, they're doing a lot of practical stuff. It's it's pretty impressive. Oh, mm. I guess Oda was like... Well, Oda was more hands-on, apparently. So it's not... I mean, but to, to be fair, do we really know how hands-on he was? I mean, he's saying he's hands-on. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Then yeah, just yeah. like... Uh, well, yeah. Okay. Well, and, of course, we're going to see a find-out soon. Or within 2023. Okay, we should move on though, because uh, well, actually, maybe... did Mo want to say anything on? And we were talking about the winners of the Crunchyroll Awards. Most of the big ones won, like oh we yeah, said. Okay, we yeah. said uh, one of the ones. Remember, you had talked about it. It was the one that won Anime of the Year. The one non Crunchyroll one, Cyberpunk Edge What the Cyberpunk Edge Runners? Well, okay, you want to say something, Mo, and then I'll I'll give a thought. Or maybe not. I, I will say uh, I'm stuck at the end of episode eight now. So I, I'm two episodes away from finishing it. Like I've been, it's been a slow burn watching the odd episode here and there. And maybe I should probably be more consistent. As with most things in life concerning me right now. I mean, I, I like that it won. I think it's, it's, it's good for the industry that shows of that nature win awards. Um, as opposed to, I don't know, it's it's like the opposite of the uh, the Oscars, you know? It's like whatever is most popular wins, not just whatever is critically acclaimed, I guess. Because we're, we're talking, like, it's not the best anime movie, but pretty good. Uh, in terms like Cyberpunk? Yeah, yeah. It, it was, was a cross-promo with a video game video that, game. Uh, that unfortunately uh, had its moments, right? Trying to launch off the ground. It's always well, good to have, like, another in the list of good anime adaptations of video games. Not many of those. Well, it wasn't an adaptation per se. It was more of its own thing, so to speak. It's set in the universe. In the world, uh, you know what I mean. Right? Which is a tabletop yeah. setting, so... Yeah, well, that's that's a thing. That's a good, interesting uh, term to use, tabletop setting. No, it's it's an adaptation of an RPG system. Yeah, okay. I, I, I was interpreting it in, in another form, but yes, you're right. It, it's okay. an interesting watch. It's certainly not for kids, but it's an interesting watch. That, I mean, that's as much as I can say, but let me finish it, and then maybe I can say a little more. How far are you? Two episodes away, so Ooh. nine and ten to watch. The big finale. Yeah. So let's take a look at I that. I guess and, one thing uh, we can and, say, Mike, since we said they had announcements there, the one I think that caught our attention too, which was a small thing, was Crunchyroll actually adding music videos and concerts, live action, sorry, live concerts to their catalog now after so many years and they're licensing from themselves because it's from Sony Music Entertainment and going after. You, yeah, which just has you wondering... There's a part of you that says, what took so long? And another part that said, oh, yeah. What took so long? Maybe someone died. Kind of like how once uh, Mr. Johnny died, you know, it wasn't as hard to license stuff from Johnny's. Hmm. 
who knows? Well, you, you, the thing is, it's so it's weird because we we've got had this talk in the past about you know the the use of uh, Sony flexing its um, catalog, its music catalog into into the soundtracks of its of the animes it produced with a with Anaplex and uh, and and the studio that they had before uh, under its other names. Uh, when we talked about that, how in many respects it probably started to come come to come to age or really um yeah maybe coming of age when when kenshin had uh with kenshin and how its artists at the time integrated into its soundtrack and then it started and that trend just kept going and going and going so this feels feels like a natural thing to have done it's just we never really all thought about it that they could that this would probably happen right we never thought it could happen, but we've been looking at all the other types of things Sony can do to leverage Crunchyroll and its with its other other branches, its other pillars. We're still wait. We're I'm, we're still waiting to see ultimately how this will affect affect PlayStation, like how it'll tangibly affect PlayStation. And, the nice but, thing is trying to find some of the content sometimes because supposedly they said they do have a thing where you can search under music but it thinks it's like shows that deal with music as well so you'll have the anime with the music videos with the live action and stuff like that so there's still some algorithm stuff they do probably have to figure out or if they want to make it separate like part of crunchyroll kind of like they did with the manga but who knows? Yeah, but then it could turn out like the manga thing where it dies on the vine, right? If they don't We're going to talk about that in a few minutes and maybe where it's resurrecting, uh, for better or worse. So, yeah, Crunchyroll, what else? And, and what, the and Sony televisions are going to integrate a Crunchyroll default option now? Well, not default option, just, uh, you know how they've had, like, the buttons and stuff like that on um, on the, remote. the TVs and that. So they have like YouTube, Disney Plus, Netflix, and uh, Amazon Prime Video. So now for the Sony Bravia, the new ones. So since it's the Sony TV, they're going to put Crunchyroll as one of the uh, buttons. So I guess that's the cartoon button. And you hope you don't get uh, the bad cartoons for the kids. The weird thing is I'm looking at the controllers and I've noticed that this the last few is they've like made certain things and gotten rid of a lot of buttons. Like you can tell they're just, this is your streaming device. This isn't a normal TV. Like they got rid of all the numbers and a lot of the other things, right? So it's no channels like, hmm. anymore. Yeah, but okay. Because I guess no one knows uh, how to flip through the channels, as you said, right? Uh, I wonder how many will understand that term now. I mean, well, there's Pluto we TV, should you know? mention, because uh, we had brought it up before, flipping through channels, uh, it's coming up this week, isn't it? That Teletoon is going to be no more. It's going to be Cartoon Network, I heard. Yes. Okay, well, okay, go. How, how, how do you guys feel about this? Because my, mine is... Well, I, I've not, I haven't kept up in years. Can't, so there's, there isn't this feeling of upset. Maybe some nostalgia, but not really sadness. 
I don't know. I, I think it's GameStop all over again. Like there's little little bits of, you know, I'm exaggerating to some degree, but there's little bits of Canadian identity that are, you know, being stripped away. And I think it's sad. Fair. I still miss EB Games as a, a brand. Um, I mean, we have Zellers back for a little while, but um, anyway, I was going to mention that, but yesterday, what was it? So that was yeah, and that's close March twenty third. They they opened uh, a few Zellers inside. One uh, of them is you. One of them is close to your you, right? Right, yeah. James. Mm-hmm. 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 Town Center. Yeah, and then Scarborough Town Center. And I think at some of these openings, and I've been in some of the bays now, so they have a lot of unused space. So that's probably why they were able to, in some of these stores, open Zellers <laughs> inside of them. But as they said, uh, there is no. Um, Zeller's eatery or anything like that, but they said for day one they had a food truck with the old Zeller's uh, cafeteria or whatever you want to call it uh, there to serve up some lunch. So, and pretty decent prices. Was it? I, I, I'm i not sure. I didn't hear from anyone who went, so I wasn't sure how it turned out. Uh, the main entrees are around six to seven bucks. Okay. Not so, too bad I, in this environment at all. Well, no I, Zeddy, huh? I have so my my memories are so blurry of of Zellers to be honest. I never dined in Zellers. It just never appealed to me as a child. Okay. So Teletoon definitely is, you know, there's a nostalgia angle, but you know, the types of of program they were programming they were showing especially in those early days um, you know, were really different. Like you're getting, you know, ups, you know, of course a lot of obscure French Canadian things, but um, you know, things like Captain Star, um, people always like to bring up as like, a, oh yeah, that existed. Um, but of course, Cyber stuff. Um, you know, about the Sinar stuff, like they brought back Knighthood. They, oh, there were some other Sinar ones that were interesting. But as you said, those cross promotions with Cyber Six were interesting, and it didn't feel like after that you saw as many. But they were going up against YTV, the Juggernaut, which was hard because. YTV had most of that Nickelodeon programming, from what I remember. Yeah, and Teletoon had briefly um, Dragon Ball Z before YTV did. Um, it was very bizarre as, you know, a, a young person, because um, here in Canada, we had the first arc of Dragon Ball, and that's it. Um, so we got to the end of Pilaf, and then all of a sudden, you know, five, ten years later, we have Goku going into space to, you know, go to Namek. Um, so it was very jarring, like, um, to see that um, happen. Uh, but, yeah, there were so many, like, little, um, you know, weird things that Teletoon showed that, you know, would have been too weird and experimental for YTV. Um, a lot of, um, you know, nice, you know, wholesome children's programming that was still, you know, at the same time, just a little weirder than what you would see on TVO and YTV. Um, of course, as time went on, it basically became, you know, YTV's animation block two, um, which is unfortunate. But so, yeah, Teletoon is a shell of its former self. But, you know, what it represented at the beginning was, you know, pretty special. And they did show some things. It's like they did try to do card capter Sakura, and yes, they uh, took it in a very different direction than what it should have been shown at. Mystic but, uh, adventure. Yeah. And then there were, of course, uh, 
the manga and manga entertainment movies they showed like at midnight so they showed uh, wings of hanamis they showed ninja scroll basically uh, my, i forget which part basically part they showed. i think macross plus too macross plus they showed macross. yes but it, some of them i remember watching those as a kid and probably should have been watching them but anyway it was very interesting watching them with commercials and then some of the commercials they had at late night for knighthood even those ones like it was just kind of wild the oh, commercials because they, they were mature com- weren't they mature commercials yeah that like let's put it this way the one scene in wings of Hamanase, which is very controversial they cut to commercial and it's it's a line basically a sex line you can call to whatever a chat talk line. To, to just a chat line and i'm thinking to myself whoa and thinking back on now i'm just like holy smokes it's late. That's all I can say. See, I was not there for like the Hmong entertainment stuff, so no no Pat Labor or Macross Plus for me. Although I do remember back in 2008, they did briefly run some of the Genion ones, like Akira, like Armitage. I hate to tell you, but that was Tech TV G4. That was not Teletoon. Was it not? No, it Maybe was G4 Tech TV. TV, remember? They, On the they topic of scene of, of lines, I there. Yeah. Anyway, I have to check YTV. Oh, let me check ANN. But that's where uh, most of it was. Like, yeah, the, they, was they, very they, slim they, on the anime pickings, but there were yeah, definitely they, some interesting shows. Sorry, they only like because other than that, they only aired whatever um, Hasbro anime they wanted to put out. So like. Like beat them on, not beat them on. Like Bakugan and Spider Riders, and then eventually, like Pokemon and Yu Gi Oh did migrate over to Teletoon once Chorus uh, bought Teletoon, and uh, they stopped airing those on YTV because they wanted to make it more of a live actioning Nickelodeon thing. Yeah, but it was interesting that yeah they. I remember that when they expanded the channels in 97 and they had all these channels and they wanted that Canadian identity and the Canadian like focus, like it's, this isn't your American child. This is our own thing. And so Chum really leaned into it. They had space, they had Bravo, they had comedy. And then we had Teletoon and stuff like that. And it kind of ate away. And then as we got later on, when Chum sold to Bell and stuff like that, we started to lose those. And I think like Bravo is CTV drama. What was it? Space is now CTV sci-fi and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it feels so bland now and stuff like that. And they're just saying, okay, here we go. Here's the American stuff you want. And the CRTC doesn't seem to care about that, but they care about other things. No, they did air on Teletoon. Oh, they did? Yeah. I guess I did. I notice. go on the broadcaster section on, uh, on ANN and yeah, you don't see G4 Tech TV Canada on the on that section for those few Genion titles. Okay, but I remember they did the Genion titles. Remember for G4? No, they TV. did, but those were all TV shows. Yeah, they. I remember the TV show. I guess it was just the TV shows. Then I thought they had done a few more. Well, there's that. You know, Tech TV is a is a bygone thing too. And who holds that now? I think Roger Rogers held it. I think that's gone now. So. Yeah, bygone era. But I guess we knew uh, at some point it would come to pass. But I guess that means that Cartoon Network, whatever that digital thing they created, is now dead, I guess, if 
Cartoon no, Network. There's, 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 it's basically shuffle rebranding. I think that'll be um like the current version. Boomerang, I think I heard. Yeah, Boomerang, I think it was, it was the branding rule here. And, Which is older cartoons and stuff like that. So the Hanna-Barbera stuff and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's just a shuffle. But uh, I don't know. As I said, I, 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 I stopped really watching myself. So maybe I don't hold the emotional attachment as you guys do. And I, because I just did not watch. There was some respect, curiosity. Part of me wonders if there was a missed opportunity after the anime on the anime side, but of course, without just, a doubt, I would say so as well. Yeah, because they brought back Toonami. It's not a, actually what it used to be, but they still brought back on the American side, and I don't think there's ever going to be anything like Bionics or anything like Toonami Down South brought up over here. Even though obviously we have the same boom the Americans are having with anime across the board, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we but don't have feel streaming is the answer, and they're like, "Well, they probably already have gone to Crunchyroll or they've gone to Netflix, right?" We don't have a Marco DeSantis person up here that has enough clout or enough interest in the medium to have a block like Toonami here. We need to give it to Jesse. <laughs> or I was, I was gonna say or try to make those uh partnerships right like as they said they made the partnerships have, have, to do pirate vena and have zan in canada like, be a, a block on tv or digital tv <laughs> whatever that's well, crazy to think it's like they probably won't do even like they did way back when like those partnerships like cyber six between canada and japan or the canada france uh, partnerships well, you know what? You know who what, who might be the most interesting guy to talk to on this? Jesse himself. He is coming to Anime North. You know what was also awesome back then? Uh, when when Razor briefly aired some anime, and this was you know a chum station, and you know they got some Funimation shows. They had Trinity Blood and Basilisk and Samurai Seven, and then those finished. Then... Yeah, that sounds like Funimation stuff. And then some of us speculated, oh, I wonder what Funimation stuff they'll get next. And then, bam, they aired Samurai Champloo and Cowboy Bebop. Okay. I think, what was it? Much Music, remember, they did dabble in it, too, like with Beck and stuff like that as well. I feel yes, like... I do I remember, like yes, if, I do remember that. It's funny thinking like of, if... Oh, sorry, go, James. I was just thinking, thinking of the opposite. We said the Canadianization turned into Americanization. I think the only one that, that didn't ring true is true was probably much music and stuff like that because that kept mm. the stronger branding so to speak well yeah and it's still in a way there, right still they're not obviously they're not, what it no, was in its heyday it's but much, but it's it, it's yeah. still very distinct these days a part of me still thinks that if chum still owned much for a little while longer we could have possibly had nana on tv much music hmm. i'll nod my head and just say if what could have been what if right well uh for for their part and um, you know moses nimer is still around right yeah he's he's he runs zoomer yeah yep and it's funny how he set runs zoomer and what that 
means to certain people now for other things reasons, which is kind of funny. But the other thing is, you know, the other main station he runs, he runs Vision TV, which is kind of funny itself too. Mm. Which is yeah. Anyway, that, well, I don't know how you would describe. I guess it's like the Christian network down south, or like a more. It does do religious stuff, but interfaith. I think it's other stuff. I think, well, that was its mandate when it first came on in the eighties. I don't know what it's like these days. Well, they still have faith programming on there, but then it's weird. It's like some of those ones down the states it, where they have to like, get other programming to keep them afloat, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, does that really relate to faith? Like, for example, I know my parents were watching Murder She Wrote on there a few years ago. It's like, does that relate to faith? Oh, yeah, I don't and know. that was a, that was actually a mainstay on Vision. Is it faith or just general spirituality? I mean. Th- just a thought. I okay. love it. It's like uh, Angela Lansbury was staring as Jessica Fletcher finding faith in murder, huh? <laughs> <laughs> now, Zoomer does rhyme with Boomer as well. Uh, okay. So we've uh, go, gone through a little bit of some of the stuff we've missed over the last, oh, month and a half. So let's try and fast forward a little bit. Well, is there anything else from the... From Early from February to early March, we haven't really mentioned that might be worth bringing up right now. Or do you want to get to this week? I guess we could uh, briefly mention mm-hmm. Sentai, maybe because supposedly Sentai's still kicking around. Supposedly they made a deal with MBS uh, Television Networks in uh, Japan, and so they're going to have uh, more shows hopefully in the future. So it won't be a totally crunchy roll future and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that deal falls uh, out, so to speak. That they get a few other shows to keep them going, and I guess AMC helped them with that. And you have the you other have- thing I'm sure AMC noticed is the person that distributed uh, their physical releases was Right Stuff, and you know who owns Right Stuff now, right? So that changed. Mm. Yeah, they basically said the end of this month, they are going to be changing their wholesale and distribution from Right Stuff to a new uh, distributor and stuff like that. So they said uh, Distribution Solutions, uh, subsidiary of Alliance Entertainment Corporation is going to be handling uh, all their stuff going forward. And I guess they're going to handle their store and that that Right Stuff had been doing for them and stuff like that. But obviously, they don't want their main competitor controlling the steel steering wheel of uh, their releases right even though i think right stuff will still carry their releases if yeah no sure, obviously right? they will carry their releases as per normal and they they're doing that for everything else it was more of them controlling their actual destiny in the wholesale market and stuff like that oh well i mean natural progression i guess as the question far- is whether they will take over the Funimation Crunchyroll stuff because they're still under Warner, I believe, or something like that. It's Maybe either Warner or Universal. There too. Okay, Amy? Oh, just as far as the last month goes, I just wanted to go on the record and say the AI anime thing looked bad. Try harder robots. <laughs> it just looked lifeless. You need actual humans, right? I mean, for some things, especially character animation, like, I think it's it's tragic that, you know, the main use um, or the the main non-terrible use right now seems to be background generation. But at least there, like, um, I mean, it's sad on so many levels because a lot of those, like, 
simple, more like more simple or more um, background or grunt work is how people train and learn and grow. And, you know, proliferation of AI art is going to mean that, um, you know, less people have the chance to um, hone their skills. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, There's... And, and it goes in, I guess, to that thing, as we said, that they're just doing way too many series and stuff like that. So they're just going for these easier solutions instead of taking a harder look and saying, maybe we should be doing less and focus on the people, as you said, to train them up. It's going well, to sabotage at some point. There's something about having a soul, isn't there? One would hope. I mean... but. I'm wondering, the one you were talking about, was it the one I'm thinking about, that weird Netflix thing I was hearing about? Um, it's not the like the main one I'm thinking of. I think it's a um special effects team from YouTube. Um, oh, I that had, one. I think I know which one. one. That um, weird, shorter, I, whatever, right? Yeah, oh, I man. think, um, was it Devil May Cry? No. Um, um, what's that other? Helsing Ultimate, I think, or something. Um, but they ended up finding um, the series that they that the AI mostly copied from. Um, so there's all these, you know, talk of copyright, like, will the Japanese team end up suing them? Like, all these kind of stuff. Like, probably not something, you know, probably a longer conversation, but because it was sort of recent in the last, you know, month or two, I wanted to at least get it out there. Acknowledge it. Not something that came to mind. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, becoming, like... I remember seeing all these posts from you and uh, other friends about this type of stuff like earlier, like a month or so ago. So, yeah, and we hardly meant we touched on it, but never really talked at length. And we, this is probably the most we've talked about it since. And it's worth a longer discussion because it ain't going away. Right? As we move towards the Skynet Terminator type well, stuff. I guess, I guess so. And given that a lot of the studios seem to have issues just getting series out, we see it with uh, Pony Canyon and Anaplex, especially this season. You never know. They might look for quick fixes, right? Mm. I mean, plus, plus think of it like this. Where we are currently at with AI is literally the worst we're ever going to be. And it's only ever going to get better. <laughs> Well, they can't beat humans yet. I can tell you that. Uh, we sure? They certainly well, can. At least at chess, chess right? <laughs> at chess. I was like, going to say at chess. Maybe. Of, well, chess. I think that I think that's already been done. Okay. All right. So that's been okay. Uh, a a cross section of some of the stuff we've missed. Um. Oh, ICV two. Do we want to go manga? Uh. Or should we just? basically roll it into what we're about to talk about the developments well, of this week kevin has anything interesting he saw from that manga week i didn't uh, peruse it as much as i could so no kevin we can try and roll some of it into what we'll be talking about next but i guess some quick things that come to mind is uh i saw an article talking about most efficient comic store manga properties of 2022 and it doesn't necessarily mean best sellers but how quickly certain shops would sell through what they have so what would actually be moving the quickest and 
there was an interesting cross-section of stuff. Uh, so, for example, what I believe one of the big ones was Berserk. Well, that's not surprising. Some not of the... Very surprising. Because mm-hmm. uh, in terms of just pure value, like in terms of like pure profit, I should say, like, yep, Berserk's pretty good in that regard. Cause those given are like, it's Dark Horse 2, and they're very big in the direct market, too. They're like $65 books in Canadian dollars. And that was so. Those were the omnibus ones, probably in that respect. Yes, not they're the, talking you know, about Berserk Deluxe. Yeah, two, two, okay. and one for free. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Berserk Deluxe specifically. Uh, also, um, the new Sailor Moon paperbacks. Wonder did Helsing derived, make the um, list? I wonder. No. Uh, so I'll list. I'll list the ten, in order of uh, one through ten. Okay, so, just yeah, and let's do go through this briefly, but I want to get and then maybe I'll give an impression myself. But yeah, so Berserk Deluxe is one. Shuna's Journey number two, uh, based it's the book by Hayao Miyazaki. Mm. Junji Ito stuff. Okay. And Chainsaw Man mm. four. Uh, Akira number five. So that hardcover box set, it's just selling like gangbusters for them. The Common Rider Classic Collection is number six, the one put out by Seven Seas. And then Sailor Moon, Nako Takuichi Edition, based off of the Eternal Edition hardcovers, but now in paperback, which makes sense because it's a lot cheaper. Kaiju number eight is eight. Uh, some of the Marvel manga that Viz has been putting out, nine. And number 10 is Akira Toriyama Manga Theater, that, uh, that omnibus hardcover that they put out last year. See, it's... Interesting. Any, Some of those hardcover ones are moving through yeah, too. So like, I guess they have maybe more money. Size. Like the the impression I'm looking at when you as you go through this list is size, name, brand recognition. Yes. Like I mean, Sailor Moon is Sailor Moon. Berserk has had has seen. Not so. I'll stop short of saying a renaissance, but it's had attention since. Um, since its creator passed away. I think it's been evergreen, so I think they always had good yeah. sales in the direct well, market. That, and that's part, and maybe that's the other word I'm, I'm looking for, evergreen. I right? feel like it's actually their best-selling title now across the entire catalog of Dark Horse. I think they mentioned that before. I'm sure Helsing will come up uh, this year again, too, because supposedly they're going to, those three omnibus ones that was like a second edition for the translation so they're going to release helsing all 10 volumes as individuals i think starting in august with that translation so some people may rather buy it in that format right as you said some people don't want a bigger version they want a regular one i guess because you'd be surprised how many people will still go into a bookstore and pay full retail for a volume one and it's, a, it's honestly much easier for some to just buy a volume one than to buy a $65 hardcover. Just even in terms of just, you know, spending money. Mm. It's easier for someone to just pick that up on a whim rather than a $65 book. Because you have to know not everyone will hunt sales. Uh, some people may be buying these as gifts. So it's just an easy pickup. And that's why I do feel like them, that's why I feel like Kodansha re-releasing the Eternal Edition for Sailor Moon into like a conventional paperback made a lot of sense as well. 
Yeah. I guess the one thing though with the direct market that's interesting is some of them, I'm sure they just have foot traffic that come through the door, but I think about me and Mike and probably Comic Den and there's certain other stores maybe like Comic Den used to be where it's not just about foot traffic, it's about, I guess, the pre-orders, right? From the diamond catalog, so to speak. And I wonder if some of that factors in there too, how much of that is you have your people coming in, they have a certain amount that they know are gonna come in and others that they might still get some foot traffic through the door. Mm-hmm. Or thinking about. But, but uh, it's just maybe the evolution of our consumption. Which lead, uh, leads us to... Are we, are we going on to the big K, I guess? Yeah. Uh, can't call them the special K. Well, strikeout could be the word here. Well, okay, don't so, worry, I got good news for Kevin. Okay. Well, earlier this week, Kodansha made their subscription, well, their online service, K-Manga Official, in some various press releases. And they said it's really, debuting, really, I guess, as an app. Yeah, it'll, it'll be in the form of an app. For now, it'll be U.S. only. But well, with it, uh, Devil is always in the details of which, maybe, like, just the skim I've read hasn't been initial. Not too many. And I, and I did look through Deb Aoki's uh, piece. This they, was leaked last week. Yeah, but then, but then the official word came this week. I just yes, wanted not, to know if it would yes. officially come out, so I wasn't sure how it was going to come out, but now that's out there. And they okay. said 400 manga series with 70 uh, simul pub uh, titles at launch. They talk about as well that they're going to have some K manga originals. And when we say K, K manga originals, let's they're talking yeah, about Korean manga. Yeah, their, to, uh, like this is like the branding just off the bat is interesting for me. It's flawed. Well, I, I know you think there's a lot of flaws, and they have That's had cool. screenshots. It looks like uh, Kevin and me are looking at it, and who knows, maybe it won't be like we think, but it looks like it's some other uh, manga apps and. We don't really enjoy it where it's like it's you're not actually paying a subscription fee or anything like, like that. You're paying for fake coins or subscriptions to then unlock chapters. And yeah, it's not yeah, like I the know, Shonen Jumper really, Manga Plus where you have your subscription, then you're like, okay, here you go. As I said, the Netflix mo- the Netflix moment. This isn't going to be one of those Netflix moments. Closest you have right now seemingly is, is Shonen Jump. I'm not sure if it's like it's popular in the Asian market and they somehow think that we're going to be okay with this in other markets and they don't realize that they may need to tailor their ideas to the market they're dealing with and stuff like that. But Well, that's the thing. This is a cultural thing. This is But you know what? They could have done a better way and I'll, I'll tell you like uh how about this Kevin? I think this is the better model. What they could have done is we could buy our fake coins and then we put our coins into a gotcha machine and then the gotcha machine will randomly select a panel of manga from those uh, 400 mm. uh, titles and so on and so forth. And if we're lucky, we might get a full chapter by the time we're uh, 40 or maybe 50 or 70. Well, for you, James, that's not too far away. 
Um, yeah, this like, is I, I guess he doesn't right like now. that model, does he? No, I I, I could I, do that. I, model. I, and I sense. Well, I know that. you're saying that in jest, James, but the good news is I can tell you. Don't worry. Maybe we will get it in May because who knows? Maybe Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden over the last two days annexed okay, Canada okay. into the U.S. and we're gonna okay, get it. And we'll all be Let's... fine, right? Uh, yeah, okay. take off take off the rose colored glasses, please, and give them back to me. Okay. Okay. Who want like who wants to clear their thoughts first? I'll go. Go. So, I imagine it's somebody upstairs in Kodansha, and I'm assuming it's Kodansha Japan. Actually, maybe not. Konosha USA, but I was thinking Pride Japan as well. I think, you know, I, I don't know exactly who's running this part of it. Like, I don't know how much sway Ben Applegate had in this because I know he's still there. But I do feel like forget. There's one name we see on the publisher thing, right? That's in New York, and I'm wondering what their ties to the Japanese market as well as well are too. You know what I mean? It's so the whole K mom, like I get why they're doing this. Cause you know, they, re, they have that pretty little K as their new They rebranded logo. as we said, right. A couple of years ago, we saw that new logo, the new website and all that. And I think as you were saying, and we talked about it, right, Kevin, how, they want to take what they've done and then roll it into this new app and stuff like that. And that's a part of the branding, I guess. And I get that. I just feel like they knew that people could get confused in that when people say K anything, a lot of the young kids will know K stands for Korean, K-pop, K-dramas. So people might think that it's actually going to be manhwa that are on the service and not manga. That's a possibility. Or do you think they were leading into the positive thinking, oh, maybe they'll think it's one thing, come take a look and then be here to stay? Mm, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like it's somebody's ego in the Japanese side coming into play for this. I think it's just that kicking and screaming we constantly talked about over the uh, past couple of years. Like, they're they're smart at Kodansha. They must have known. I'd hope they'd have known. And uh, then... Like, there's that... We've talked a lot about this tension, right? The The Japanese way of doing these things clashing completely with what's been established into the markets they want to go into. Yet somebody at Shueisha, you know, had the smarts to have Manga Plus the way it is and have the Shonen Jump app the way it is, or or somebody at Viz was able to convince them. Hmm. Because, but I will say, like, Viz has the majority of the most popular manga titles in the planet. So that comes into play too. 
let's be honest. Well, yeah, we looking and at the... I know they have also well, helped we look at the... in other parts of the world too, sure. right? So maybe and that helps at... the conversation. And Kodasha doesn't have as many of those. Well, keep it, once again, going back to Mongo Week and ICV2, the, one of the links you sent us this week, the top full year, top 20 manga titles, and these are individual volumes of the top 20 listed. Only one is not a Viz Media title. And that's a, and it's, it's, it's Berserk Deluxe Volume 1. Everything else is a Viz Media title of some form. Various, various um, volumes of Spy Family. They're all shown in jump. I was going to say, all of them are probably shown in jump. They are. That's why shown in jump. Not just Viz Media titles. Let's even go, let's narrow it down even further. But I will say, in terms of top manga franchises as of fall 2022, slightly more variety because Berserk is actually number one. And then Attack on Titan is number seven. And Toilet Bound Hanako-kun still hangs on there at number nine because apparently that is their best-selling franchise at the moment for Yen Press, according to the interview with Mark Devera at ICB2. Hmm. Okay. And then otherwise, it's Demon Slayer, Chainsaw Man, My Hero Academia, Junji Ito, Jesus Kaisen, Spy Family, and Dragon Ball Z. Thank you, Kevin. Take a breath. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they they talk about a lot of the stuff where they have uh, some tiles that will be original tiles that are on their magazine pocket app and other things. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. But I guess the other question is, what does it mean for their physical side too? Because we saw that when they went really hard on digital and stuff like that. And some of them have lingered on the digital... uh, platform so to speak so what's going to happen will there be a pathway to physical for some of these ones that get on the app and stuff like that and what they actually have been putting out some physicals of the digital stuff over the years Mm -hmm. basically the consensus that i'm seeing is if it does well digitally they are much more likely to put that out in a physical book so I believe Blue Lock was one of those instances, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I remember PTSD Radio being digital only, and that came out physically back in the fall. Yeah, that started to come out, but that one was one of the first ones they did so long ago. So it makes you wonder how long it took to get to those numbers. And maybe that's how they're doing their numbers, right, too. It's like if they have people and they can see by chapter what people are buying, maybe that gives them more feelings about what they're going to make physical and stuff like that but other factors may play against it like maybe it's too long of a series like domestic girlfriend or space brothers Mm -hmm. uh i know um in the clear moonlit dusk uh, a shoujo manga by mika yamamori was initially digital only and a lot of the shoujo manga start off digital only now and then that did get a physical release as well back in the fall yeah so it, you know it they have their metrics that they follow uh but yes uh with what you said james uh the ones that are too long will almost never come out 
So uh, Space Brothers will almost likely never come out physically. Uh, Chihaya Furu will almost never come out physically. Uh, we even doubted if Tokyo Revengers would have came out physically, but it did, just not through Kodansha, because uh, they didn't think it was worth the risk. And they may be right after all, because uh, fans do not like the ending of the Tokyo Revengers manga. Hmm. But yeah, as you said, uh, there's still hope because we do still have seven seasons. They've been picking up the slack from uh, Viz and uh, from Kodansha. So that's good. They still license out, of course. And they have yep. licensed out, I think, still to Dark Horse for some of them. Not Kodansha as much anymore, but we'll see. Yeah, Shueisha has and uh, Hakusensha have been more willing to let other companies publish the stuff that Viz doesn't put out or or isn't able to put out or cannot justify putting out or I guess or at the very least they're allowing bids to happen between the companies now because we I, I know Oshinoko is not really that typical of a Viz Media brand kind of title but you would have thought they would have picked that up but Yem Press came through in the end, but who knows if that's maybe it's because maybe it's because of the existing relationship with Mango Yokoriari and Scum's Wish. Maybe that could have played into it. Who knows? Mm. But and because especially with Seven Seas, they're putting out a lot of the Young Jump stuff and the the super perverted shonen jump stuff <laughs> that this won't touch anymore and so on and so forth but going back into the kodansha k manga thing if they if they're going to do a coin system i will not be paying any money to them I will know. I can at least attest to the idea that this could get really frustrating. Yeah, because I'm not, not a fan not of it either. But it's like it yeah, still makes me wonder how me. they figure it can work. Because I, I do have a story, a, a quick story. Because, um, I w- I visited my parents uh, earlier this week. My mom uh, had told me, well, her like. I, I I give my mother credits for her iTunes card so she can uh, use the iCloud services, right? So she can use iCloud for backups and stuff. And she told me she, her, money, uh, the, her credits had run out. And I said, well, what do you want me to do? Um, I, I, could, I, I was considering expanding my, uh, my iCloud storage and I could share it with her and my dad. But uh, no, she just took a, uh, she just uh, swiped another card off of me, another iTunes card. Turns out that she's been using much of it to read digital chapters off of a, off of a Wattpad like app for her romance novels lately. Like she's been reading a, like chapters off of the, off of like a, a Wattpad like app, like that's dedicated to, to romance stories. And um, she told me that she's almost drilled through the uh, iTunes card that I gave her this week. So th- it could get it could get quite. It, you could end up um, 
spending quite a bit on this without realizing you've spent quite a bit on this. I guess they are going after the whales, as they say, right? Hmm. Well, give me, explain that one to me. Like, explain the uh, metaphor. Well, it's the gotcha metaphor where it's like oh, they okay. do the small purchases and then they hope uh, you'll keep coming back. And sometimes they'll get ones that just keep coming oh, back. Yeah, and, and that's basically what happened here, I think. Because my my mom started to read a story. She got the first handful of chapters for free. She got enthralled into it. And now she wants to keep finishing it up. Reading and reading, hoping and finishing the story. Assuming it's done already. So this is what could happen later on. So I have a couple questions to pose to the rest of you. Uh oh. So at which point I'll probably have trouble answering, but So they intend to launch this app on May tenth, two thousand and twenty three, and they will eventually put out a website version. Which how right do you put in, out which right now in Canada is all but blocked from what I understand? Yes. Oh, they, they showed us the blocked uh, image too. <laughs> yes. This is exclusive to the United States for the time being. But I'll ask. I'll, this will I have to practice our American, right? It, it sounds asinine to me that Canada is not included at launch because when they license these titles, it's usually assumed that when you license a title for the States, that would have covered Canada already. But yeah, perhaps usually they bundle the it case. for physical. It's a weird, it's a, one of those, well, it's like a lot of other things when it comes to the U.S. and Canada when it, when it comes because to Because I remember a lot of them, yeah, they always bundled us together. And then, and then. The, the beginning then, of the century with manga and stuff like that for the English speaking. And then they expanded to English speaking countries. So you had U.S., Canada, but, UK, but specifically Australia. In this and, this, and, and what doesn't make sense is that when this stuff was on Azuki and other platforms, we had access to it. So what's different and that's here? That's the weird part is a lot of the titles, as you said, other platforms, they allowed it. So you would think the contract's already there and it's their own content too, right? Yeah. Well, you know what plays into the fact of them saying, oh, we're trying to get all this content out at launch we're trying to do it in the most high quality way we can like they had talked about high quality translations and stuff like that and i'm thinking to myself back to some of the stumbling blocks we've seen right where it didn't quite go that way what what, what was the one i'm thinking of king um they had to retranslate the whole series remember oh i, I kind of know what you're talking about it was king of something title. and then uh, but uh that one, they had just got it out now, again, with the proper translation. And now they're actually trying to sue the original people that translated it for them because it was so shoddy. So it makes me Which wonder publisher if you're was trying... this? Sorry? Which publisher was this? Um, I forget, but it was... Uh, I'll have to find it again, but... Okay, I, I kind of do remember hearing about this. But I know that they talked about high-quality translations and stuff like that in their uh, release and stuff like that, like officially translate high quality manga. But how do you keep that up when you're trying to do so many chapters and so many things and so many contractors, right? So it makes me wonder That's if they're trying to get this pipeline people. through, right? So that could be one severely 
underpaying people. That's how you get it done. Well, we and that's the basics. I mean, that's or the AI, as we talked uh, about before, they'll try AI, any trick. Bring in the AI, bot, AI bots. But that, this is also the economics of the of the industry right now. And so, my other question as well, I'll pose to the rest of you. Uh, so, this is coming out May tenth. And how do you not already have the pricing structure? That how do you not have that? Like no pricing, right? Your press release. We're, we're, yeah, and, and, under, and we're less than two away. months, right? Less than two months. So, and they've been we're amazingly months away. mum on that, haven't they? Yeah, it's so, because setting themselves up for failure on this one. So, my pet theory is that they want. Here's my pet theory. Cool. We can, we North Konasha USA knows that subscription is ideal and having limited free is ideal. A la Shonen Jump and Manga Plus. But I'm thinking Kodansha in Japan doesn't want it to be like that. So you think they're buying time to then prove to their bosses up above that this is going to be not so good. It could be a face plant. Yes, yeah, so by releasing that teaser screenshot of the possible earn up to points, because we, we don't really know. It's a very vague image. We can only speculate. But you see enough people voicing their displeasure and having a coin system similar to Manga Up or Bookwalker that I would hope that they can show the people upstairs at Kodansha Japan that, look, we can't have it this way. At which point, many of them will probably be fired. It's not as if they paid too much. We'll find somebody no. else. Uh, so, yes. Let's just get blamed for the failure. That's what it is. Should it fail? We all think it could, and we all think that's a possibility. It doesn't look great. Well, Kodansha's big enough that they can always fix this kind of stuff. Yeah, but Kodansha is also, but it's enough of a business that it throws each other under the bus too. So, I'm hoping subscription. Uh, I think they would put out at least the latest chapter free. Although, I will say I don't have a lot of confidence in that because they haven't done that yet when the Simul Pups came out on the other platforms. That's the funny part. They they can they have like on all of these fronts, they have so much control and they're not willing to really do any good with it. Well, then again, good and profitable are always different things. And then the last thing I'm thinking of is they are going to be putting this out on the Apple Store, and we know Apple is a lot more uh less willing to have 18 plus or close to 18 plus content on their stuff. And that's why a lot of the mature titles from Viz are website only like golden Kamui, like certain Ayakashi triangle chapters or Nana or Oh, I, or I think, oh, 
fire punch as well, actually. From uh, Tatsuki Fujimoto. So I wonder what's going to happen there. Like, are certain... See, that is be weird, on the too, because think of it. You're starting out as an app and then bringing the browser version later and stuff like that. So it's almost like they want the heavy hitters and then, okay, we'll just get to that other stuff later, right? Hmm. The app is the gateway, perhaps. But uh, funny enough, you know what it was, Kevin? It was uh, Ranking of Kings. That's what it was oh. uh, that I was talking about. And that was from ebook publisher BookLive. And they had uh, actually announced earlier this month that they had uh, finally uh, fixed it and got the translations that should have been done correctly the first time out. So correct translations out. And they basically were taking legal action against the original contractor, uh, Dragon Digital Japan Co. Mm. Okay. Which is supposedly stole stuff from uh, Scanlators, which is kind of crazy to think. <laughs> but you know what? We were talking about other things, and we had mentioned Azuki, and I saw like earlier uh, in the week, they had actually announced that they're not just putting in streaming manga and stuff like that. They're actually going to release ebooks. So they're moving forward in uh, a different direction as well starting this week. Like they said, uh, two ebooks are coming out. One was My Dear Detective uh, Mitsuku's Case Files, Volume 1, and then Turning the Tables on My Seatmate Killer, Volume 1. And they were going to do Amazon, Apple Books, Bookwalker, and then Google Play. So hmm. that'll be interesting to see how that goes from streaming to actually maybe licensing some stuff to uh, release digitally. Yep, they acquired the odd title here and there for licensing outright. And they've made uh, a good relationship uh, relationship with Kaiten, I believe, the one that does uh, the Yakuza babysitter and some other ones, but that's done well. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, the Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting, so... Yeah. Okay. Have we said all we want to for, about Kodansha for this for now? Until uh, until May tenth, is it? Yep. Correct. Well, we'll see if they even release anything because, as Kevin said, we don't know what the pricing was. For all we know, they could give it away for free. Oh, please don't do in-app currency. Fuck, man. Like, I've. You know, I mean, I played League of Legends. I know how much of a pain that shit can be. <laughs> but. Given all the craziness like that we've seen with all these things that could make it go wrong, it makes me wonder how many people would see this news and say, nuts to this, and they've already lost them, and they're already on the seven seas. Because you need to not give people an excuse to pirate. And that's what Shueisha realized quickly. Because they know that they will never truly beat the uh, the Japanese scanners because they will obtain advanced copies of the magazine and then they'll upload it on the internet before the magazine even comes out in Japan. And then now get the AI bots to translate. So at least by having the latest three chapters free, you give people the incentive to actually use your service. 
But yeah, don't give me in-game currency, like, or don't give me in-app currency. That shit is bullshit. It's, I remember with League of Legends, uh, when I, I eventually did put money into the game, and I made absolutely certain to figure out what combos of uh, currency payments for which skins I needed so that I could zero out. Because that's the thing. They make you have some sort of leftover balance. So that, way you use. Have to, so that way you have to like put in more money. Just a little bit, a couple bucks, just to get an even yeah, zero out. Yeah, that shit said. pisses me off. I guess well, the question just, is, let's like, will you have I'm... enough content to actually make you think, do I actually want to pay to continue on this series, right? And they, they, they will have a lot of stuff. They've put out a lot of digital content. In the last few years, there's 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 the latent potential in all of that. When you and they still have some of their uh, evergreen stuff from back when Tokyo Pop had the licenses for that stuff. So like they have GTO digital right now. They do have Rave Master out digitally, and they did finally put out all of Initial D digitally as well. So, and they did have uh, the wine manga, of course, all out uh, digitally as we know. Yeah, uh, well, not, said, not the second titles. series. Drops of God. Still mm-hmm. waiting for the second series, which I don't think they'll put out at this point. But I, I do feel like that was uh, Kodansha kowtowing to Shinkibayashi mm. to do it because uh, I really don't think it made much business sense for them to translate all of it, to be honest, knowing how. Uh, Knowing how it went with vertical. Okay. I learned what happened with vertical in regards to Drops of God. So that didn't make any business sense to put out. As much as I love Drops of God, like I can't imagine that having made them much money. Oh, yeah. Well, they are making the new live action series. So you never know how that'll yeah, do. We'll get a bit of a boost. I, I imagine. Yes. But okay. I think that. That app coming out in May, my gut's telling me it's going to be more the recent and the more popular in that it'll be a wait before maybe we get the classic series unless it was, as you said, a really big evergreen. Oh, no, a lot of that stuff was already available. No, I know, but I mean, in, I guess, whatever this app uh, they're trying to do, uh, send it out, you know what I mean, in that new form. Mm. I'm sure we'll hear the reviews when it comes out. Uh, But having said all of this, Sometimes there's nothing like a deal also. And remember, I know you sent me the link. I, I was aware of it already, uh, James. Remember how I uh, constantly joked about all those humble bundles that, we, uh, that, that we see, we've seen over the past couple of years, over the course of the uh, pandemic series? And yep. Kodansha once in a while puts out some very interesting humble bundles. Yep, the uh, yep. Big yep. K uh, definitely uh, does have... Uh, good relationship with humble uh humble bundle and uh, they do some good bundles so yeah they, they had a a new one and this one is series focused this one is series and serious too it's they put out the entire or for the next uh, and this will be up and i know that we'll have this episode up well before this uh, humble bundle ends all of attack on titan all of attack on titan and a lot of the side stuff Digitally, albeit. And what is it? You can get the whole series for Canadian 30, uh, 
minimum 34 or 58. Of course, some of it, a lot of it goes to charity. Yeah, they were doing uh, Book Industry Charitable Foundation is the charity they're working with uh, for this one. And it sounds like this one is going to uh, end in 19 days and 14 hours and 40 minutes, according mm -hmm. to the site now. Yeah, and according to uh, latest count, uh, just looking on the website, it says uh, 2,456 of these bundles have now been sold. It's the entire series. That's uh, that's there. Attack on Titan Junior High, uh, Attack on Titan No Regrets, Guidebooks. There's a lot Art of... Books. Uh, Art books. There's a lot of the side stuff uh, in this, so it, it, it looks to be the the bulk of everything published concerning the Attack on Titan franchise. I actually think it's everything. It is, is everything, it? and even novels. Oh. I think. So what? Thirty five. Uh, so less than thirty five Canadian. Um, sure. That's an, it's just interesting that that you know just caught our attention. So yeah, Kodansha. Let's wait and see. K-Manga comes out in early May. Are we going to talk about a, a local deal next, though? I guess by the time the show, uh, we put this up, it might uh, be done at the end of the month. Which local uh, thing are you? do you want to talk about? Uh, the one me and you went to uh, on uh, Easter weekend, remember? 2019. Okay. Now we're no. doing, I think, Labor Day weekend. Okay, so let's get let's uh, start to come back come back a little bit here uh, locally. So, International Fan Fest a couple weeks ago announced its next version here in Toronto, and a rebranding. So it's now called it'll be called Anime Toronto. It'll happen the weekend after Fan Expo in the exact same area. Well, no, uh, exact same building, yes, but. Uh, Fan Expo has always been in the uh, south side of the building uh, well, they, for they many take, years, and yeah, they, they will be in the north side. Yeah, but they but the but Fan Expo has grown enough that they've taken both sides. And and on Did the top, they take both I can't remember. It's been so long since I've taken, been, so they have actually finally taken the whole building, huh? Yeah. Well, wow. on the topic of Fan Expo, uh, there's the Comic Con Toronto also happened last weekend. And they were strictly in the north building. Normally, that that's been something they've, in recent years, just done the south building. And it's it, it it's become a mini fan expo. I mean, it's fan it's fan expo after all. But I heard I heard there I heard it got packed inside the north building, and uh, talking with uh, talking with Lawrence, who's appeared on the show a couple times when we've done the anime north episodes. He just said it was just packed and really hard to get around. And whatever food concessions were there ran out pretty quickly. It makes me think yeah. of that one year, that one year at Fan Expo. I think, I can't remember which year it was, but they couldn't get the South Building, right? And they were in the North Building. Oh, I remember this. And it was just similar situation, but I guess it wasn't as bad because it was so packed. I remember they had the fire officials and stuff like that. And at one point we were doing the game shows and all that stuff. And we had went out to get lunch and we almost couldn't get back in. We had to fight to get back in and say, we have to be back in there because we have to actually be in a room to do these game shows. We're under contract. We're and it took us a while to, kind of negotiate that with the on-site uh, security staff ouch but but i think we saw maybe a similar situation i don't know i remember that year i was there too but i, I got my lunch early at subway 
and then also went in through uh, the doors closest to the CN Tower in the North Building, and then somehow was able to get up just in time. And then, like, I don't know, maybe half an hour later, I noticed that, yes, they blocked off the elevators and then weren't letting people in. Ouch. Yeah. So that that was, uh, that's, I guess, a little bit of the story about Comic-Con. Like I said, a convention will always have something. AN had had those long lineups. Well, so crowds were the story here. Going back to uh, to Anime Toronto, though. So they did announce it. It'll be the weekend after Fan Expo. The first time this happened, the first time a- Anime Toronto happened, now it's called that, was Easter weekend. I think in 2019, was it? Yes, it was yeah. 2019. And I think it could have been announced, like, it must have been just a few months. So they had a very quick turnaround time, I remember. And because it was the first one, they did the weird pricing, remember? So yeah, which, I got mine which... really cheap, but I think the next year they did do the same as they did for this one for the early bird, which is $50. So it's mm-hmm. $50 for the regular pass till the end of March. They have one where you can get a t-shirt and lanyard for $80, I believe, which is also discount. And then they have, they've brought back those super passes again, but those are not discounted. I think they're like $250 or ridiculous prices where it's, yeah, which you are can be the front of the line for signatures and for events, which we know how that turned out. So hopefully, yeah, and then, and then this time. Yeah, you 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 want to punch some of the people who had them. I'm just question. Saying. I think it depends on the guest. I guess is there a guest, for example, Kevin or Mike or anyone else that you feel like you would want to push someone out of the way that you would want to see them. <laughs> Well, uh, they they have the potential to accomplish that, and so we'll see what becomes. But and they have I mean, announced first, any guests yet, so we'll yeah, see what no, happens. My first but a reaction long time was away. the weekend after the weekend after a, a fan expo. I'm not totally sure about this, but then I was reminded. Yeah, well, remember the first one happened Easter weekend. So, what do you make of this timing, though? Doesn't matter to me. I think it was whatever they could get because I think yeah, they I got think more choice when they had 2020 because I think that one was July where they went for. And then yes. this one probably, they obviously started to get the bookings in, right? Post-COVID and stuff like that. And I think they were left in a lurch and this was maybe the best they could do. And it was the fact that they probably said, we've only done one year. They wanted to focus on their base in Vancouver and then they said, okay, now we want to focus on this. And this is where the cards fell, so to speak. And they had their flaws, uh, their first post-COVID, or not, their first con since COVID-19 happened. Oh, back in Vancouver. They had some issues. Yeah. There were some issues there too, without a doubt. Okay. Well, we know they'll bring the guests, I guess, but time will tell, right? I decided well, to throw some money we'll, and see what would happen. We'll be yeah, very, I'm, I'm very... mind too, actually, because... Curious. So it does not affect me because I usually do not go to Fan Expo anymore. So works for me. Okay. Well, I think remember in 2019, me and Mike went for the thing, and then you just went for the concert, right, uh, Kevin? Because I, I think they just I had a did. concert ticket. 
Yes, I did go I, at least one day. I may have gone the second two. Don't remember anymore, but uh, I, a couple of my friends went just to see Megumi Nakajima perform. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that was the main draw for me as well. And I did get a couple of signatures because a few of the Fates Day Night cast came to watch a concert. No, like they were there as guests. Oh, well, they were there as guests. Yeah. They, okay. The Japanese yeah, they were actor. promoting the second movie. Yeah, because yeah. uh, Heaven, Heaven's Field just uh, was at that point, right? Yep, I got a few uh, signatures myself from that. Uh, one of them I had to just uh, sit in a line and hope I would be chosen, and somehow they just... Oh, yeah, yeah, we have... There's some stories. We have our stories. Yeah, I was in a line for, I believe... And then they cherry-picked people from the... Oh, it, it was hilarious how some of that Who went. Who was I? I was there for either Saber or Rin's voice actress, and I, like, barely made the cut. Yeah, yeah, that's... It, it's one of those things, folks. Okay. So, yeah, that, but that's Anime Toronto, and I guess we'll talk about that before it happens. And on that note, let's talk Anime North and do our duties there. Really not much to talk about, I guess. Planning, planning for Anime North is still coming along for its late November date. We are now confirmed, or we have been offered, uh, and we'll likely do a couple episodes, or at least one episode there on the Saturday night. So, um, who's in? <laughs> Who's in, guys? What did they tell you? What day? Oh, it, it sounds like it's a very much an a, an open book. So, like, just, as long as it's within reason, and you know, I'll probably be within reason. So I think I'll be so, the same old, then, same old, right? Kevin? Yeah, it'll probably Sorry, be right. a lot of the same old, same old. But we'll see what we can, what how we can mix that up. And I think it's, since we're back on schedule be helpful compared to uh, last year, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, looking at the, uh, do we want to quickly talk about the guest list so far for, for Anne? It's a uh, kind of weird how the website doesn't have it updated, but they've been updating through Facebook. Mm -hmm. So a couple of YouTube creators, a couple of voice actors. Like I, I... Well, this week was YouTube creators, uh, class, uh, reflection. Uh, I know for him, he's, actually locally based so i guess it's not a surprise that uh, he would come he'd probably come just uh, by himself because i think he's hamilton area and oh, then they got uh, mother's basement who he's from uh, california and stuff like that and then they had another you, one yeah. uh, yazzie that's girl's basement i think mother's basement is canadian um i think he's vancouver is he okay. because i thought he was out in california because i know he does a lot of work with uh Anime News Network, obviously, he's done stuff for their uh, previews. Uh, he's mentioned like that growing up with YTV and stuff. So Interesting. Mm. Okay. Mm. Maybe he's, okay. he's the fellow, States. Maybe I'm thinking wrong. He's a fellow intelligently um, fan of the Metabots dub, which is yeah. <laughs> Okay. But I so, think they had a lot of other dub actors, too, and stuff like that. I think uh, Richard Epgar is coming back and stuff like that. Yes, and I think is. some of that was that he had to leave, I remember, uh, last convention. I think he had something to take care of, right? So I think he wanted to do right by the convention and come back and meet Ellen, the fans again, Ellen, right? Ellen Stern as well. Is, yeah, his wife as well, right? And then uh, Noma Noichi has been announced. The reservations will open on uh, April 1st. Same old, same old there. Yeah, we're, we're hurling two months away. Two months away before Anime North. Yeah. So, um... 
the Thursday before AN, uh, Man on a Mission is going to be performing in Toronto. So I could see them popping up in the con in some capacity. I don't know, because I think the next day they have to be in New York to do oh, another show. Really the next day? Like they're performing on Friday in New York? Yeah, like basically they're doing a lot of shows like back to back and just it mm. looks like they're pumping them through the season. And then they have small breaks in between, like they have a small break before they get to Toronto and then they have to do these shows back to back kind of in succession. So they then do Toronto and then have to be in New York the next day, almost it feels like. Okay. Like next day or the next day after, but still I it's was... like you have to move quick. Cause my suspicion on that was because uh, last year's musical guest, they did a thing where they performed in Toronto on Thursday, but then they did hold a panel and like a fan thing on like Friday and Saturday or something like that. Yeah, I don't think they'd be able to do that with the way I saw that schedule for them, unfortunately. So, okay, but I'll take a quick look as we're talking. Anyway, but uh, yeah, uh, so there's a so there's a there's a couple thoughts for Anime North. Couple more things we want to go through before we finished off tonight. Uh, just, just quickly in brief. You brought this up, uh, James. Carrie Pamu Pamu got married. Well, that was actually Kevin. Oh, it was Kevin who brought it up. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was Kevin. Mm-hmm. Who was it? Uh, Shono Hayama. And I didn't realize it when uh, initially, but uh, until I read the uh, credits. He was not, he was a commentator on Terrace House, but I, I know he's become a well-known actor. I think he did he did Terrace House back in the day when he wasn't quite as well known. He's known now. Carrie Pamu Pamu, she was a thing back then, wasn't she? Oh, so she she might still be a thing now. It's just I know she was like the it girl, roughly a decade ago. Is that am I safe in saying that? Roughly a decade. She's still ago? a thing. She's still a thing. It's but, just. It's not the explosive popularity of the early 2010s, but uh, she has stayed relevant in Japan and has her devoted fan base. Well, the, the devoted is still is probably the word. And uh, I think she's like her fashion style is what also keeps her relevant in those circles as well. Yeah, and I can see some uh, looking at the wedding photos. Yeah. Oh, and she did the new 3DS uh, campaign, right? From what I remember, too. Yes. And she had some uh, of the, um, oh, what was it? The panels that they had. She had her own panels, I believe, for that in Japan. The uh, face plates. Face plates, yes. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that's an interesting uh, little nugget to have come out. And um, one final update before we go tonight. Yeah, as we're taping this, uh, we're um, it's uh, we're taping it knowing that the final Ash or final episode with Satoshi on Pokemon has has just aired within the last twenty four hours, and uh, there is a quick summary. Not much of a not much not too much in the way of spoilers, seemingly. Just uh, just a quick browse of the uh, of some of the stuff that was said about it. I think the uh, summary is. The journey for for Ash continues, but we just won't be seen it anymore. It was a a very 
it was an ending without really an ending for him. Just that he just keeps going. But maybe of, a, of, of more interest for some people is uh, in anticipation of the airing of that final episode, a video came out last week with uh, this, the voice actress behind Satoshi, Rika Matsumoto, who's now 54, was, uh, did a video uh, in the, it's called, what is it called? The One Take series or something? Mm-hmm. She did a video with video where she sung the first uh, first Pokemon anime theme song in, as the saying goes, one take. Came to be a Pokemon master. And she did it, and the video features her standing at a microphone with a bunch of uh, Pokemon plushies in the background. And... By all accounts, she nailed it. I, I watched a little bit of the video. She looked like she was really into it. And I know that uh, that would get a lot of attention and anticipation of the episode that just aired. You could really tell that she loves that song um, and really enjoys singing it. Um, the plushies in the background, for the most part, I think 90% of them were Pokemon that Ash had caught or Satoshi had caught in the series. So <laughs> there's, you know, some you know, relevancy and, and importance there. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, that, that song, which shares the name, um, of the series, like the, the last 11 episodes aim to be a Pokemon master. Um, you know, it's such a fascinating song. I think it is, um, seminal. I think it is an incredibly interesting composition, um, even like genre wise, like it is like, you know, it's in some ways it's, in that um, same sort of musical zeitgeist as Cruel Angels thesis, where it combines, mm. you know, rock, um, pop, and weirdly gospel choir um, all in one, and it's so seamless. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's you know an incredibly impactful piece. Um, and you know, as far as the last episode goes i know we're closing in on two hours but you brought it up um i think that you know the significance of you know this series that you know for almost 30 years you know 26 27 years um ending um with these characters of ash slash satoshi and his pikachu um you know they had this aim to be a pokemon master series um, which was um, a lot more um, subdued, right? Like it wasn't a bombastic thing. Um, you know, spoiler warning at this point, avoid, you know, the next, you know, two to 20 minutes if you want. Um, but, you know, he doesn't fight Ho-Oh at the end or anything like that. Um, a lot of them are reunions um, with different characters that mm -hmm. um, he has journeyed with along the series. Um, in the penultimate episode, um, it was really interesting. They canonized the fifth movie. Um, there's an amazing um, OST track um, from the fifth movie called Search for the Girl. Um, and this is the movie that's vaguely based, based on Venice. Like um, um, there's a lot of canals and and sort of water um, sports things. And it, it features Latios and Latias, um, kind of the sky dragon Pokemon. And a Latias had been following Ash throughout this series. Um, so, you know, the penultimate episode has that, um, has Latias and uh, a Latios get 
um, captured by a Team Rocket agent. And um, I think Team Rocket had disbanded, you know, the previous episode. Um, and at the end of the episode, it's a different set of Latias and Latios, but um, we get um, some shots of um, characters that Ash met in that fifth movie, along with that OST track from that movie, which is fairly rare um, for the anime series. Like it doesn't reference the movies um, almost at all, um, including like a human character and um, a Latias that transforms into a human character that people pair romantically wish with Ash a lot. So that was a really special moment. Um, the last episode in general was kind of somber. Um, uh, Misty and Brock leave um, pretty, um, I think their Japanese name are Kisumi um, or Kasumi and uh, Takashi. Um, mm-hmm. And they leave fairly early on in the episode um, and Ash, you know, heads back to his home. Um, so you get a lot of scenes with Professor Oak or a couple scenes with Professor Oak and his mom and the Mr. Mime. Um And the main plot is, you know, you know, I'm not fluent in Japanese and the subs haven't come out yet or the dub, but, you know, Professor Oak is preparing um, Charmander, Squirtle and Bulbasaur, like a new set of them to go out for trainers and like Charmander's lost. So, you know, Ash gets to go on a a mission to help, you know, a Charmander, Um, you know, Team Rocket attacks and the most significant returning character in the series um, which hasn't been seen since the sort of end of that um, that first, um, you know, real season, um, is Ash's Pidgeot um, uh, returns in a fairly emotional, quick, oh my God. but emotional, because, you know, Team Rocket captures Pikachu in one of the electrical proof nets um but because ash is is you know just kind of hanging out near home he doesn't have any of his other pokemon with him and you know of course from the sky um pidgeot appears um and has a re um you know reunites with ash and wow all the pidgeotto and pidgeys that pidgeot has been caring for sort of come and and celebrate you know with ash as well um you know, Gary shows up with his Umbreon um, to sort of help Ash and, you know, ask him that quote from the trailer, which is, you know, now that you're world champion, how close are you to being a Pokemon master? Which, you know, makes Ash think like, oh, that's a good question. Um, Tracy gets a little bit of spotlight, the replacement for Brock in um, the Orange Islands arc. Um, nice. He gets to have a few lines, and near the end, it's revealed that his Venonat has evolved into Venomoth. So um, there's, you know, some, you know, idea that things are always changing. Things, you know, friends will always return. Um, new friends will always be made. So it, you know, it's not a bombastic episode, but um, it ends on like, you know, that um, continuing journey. Um, sort of, you know, feel, but also the the question um, that, or the answer that Ash comes to as far as, you know, what is a Pokemon master, it's very, you know, cheesy and, and you know, corny, but it's, it's kind of nice. And it's, um, you know, it's for him, it's to become friends um, with all the Pokemon um, that he can, or probably all of them. Um, and the very um, final... Um, sort of sound um, that we hear in the episode is um, the ending theme called Type Wild, 
um, which is, you know, as far as the endings go, um, as iconic as you can get. Um, they released an English version of that song um, to sort of help with English education in Japan, um, which was interesting because, like, you know, it, it includes the localized names like Pallet Town and everything. It's an excellent, like, it's so well. Um, it's like a professional cover of the song. Um, but Playing they, in my head right now. Yeah, but they, they play that song at the end, which is, I think, really, you know, powerful and smart because it is one of the most iconic ending themes, especially of that first season. They brought it back during the Alola arc of the season, so the sun and moon. Um, it, you know, it features, you know, a Pokedex um, with different clips from the show and then um, two... Um, shots of ash one running forward and one silhouetted running to the side um so they they play that ending with clips from the whole series um season but that original um animation um so it's it's an incredibly um thoughtful um series um japan was advertising this with this huge display and i think japanese subways we knew about the advertising um yeah it was it was you know it was impactful this is you know sort of a moment in history like if you think about long-running series um this is you know like in some ways like uh, Mukuro-chan or Detective Conan ending like it doesn't have quite that pedigree but it is still that sense of this has always been around so many generations of children have grown up with with Ash and Pikachu um Satoshi and Pikachu specifically and now they're doing something different um which has an English trailer or English subtitle trailer already um so yeah it's it's you know, in so many ways, not just the end of an era, but the end of um, a legacy when it comes to Satoshi slash Ash and and his Pikachu. There's a Captain yeah. Pikachu in the new one, but, you know, it's not the same character. No, it's not the same. And as I said, this was just an interesting way to set up the finale. Is it a nice way to go out? But, uh, yeah, that's a nice summary there, uh, Amy. But there isn't too much else to add. I mean, as I said, we you're right. We did go two hours. And let's just say that's uh I did look a up one thing though. Month uh, and a half. Mike. What's this? Before well, we go to- remember uh Kevin was asking about man on a mission. Well, they mm-hmm. definitely will not be at Anime North because I looked at their schedule. So they're in uh Toronto at the Access Club on the twenty fifth. The next day on the twenty sixth, they're uh at New York City at Irving Palace or Irving mm. uh, Plaza. And then on the 28th, they're in Boston at Brighton Music Hall. So I would say probably they're booked full. Like their biggest yeah. break in between is actually between the Chicago and the Toronto show because the Chicago show is on the 21st at House of Blues. So mm. they're really packed in North America. Then they have a break. Then they go full force in uh, Europe, it sounds like, in June. It's also likely because when when you tour in Canada, your merch has to be made in Canada. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's a that's a must. That's and a I believe you need to employ Canadian okay. staff. I think for okay, certain aspects of your tour as well. I think I Canada. understand where you're about to go with this. So that's why you probably don't see as many 
uh, foreign bands come in as you may expect. Hmm. Okay. This is probably why we'll not see Mama Moo in Canada <laughs> because they are going to tour in the States. Get your tickets, uh, Kevin. Uh, yeah, it's got to be kind closest, of my flight, uh, actually. I'm the kind closest of... border point, right? Right. It depends on what I can manage to get ticket wise, and then I will plan accordingly. Well, you're good at that, Kevin. Oh, I try. I'm not perfect. You're still pretty good at it. Uh, I'm kind of scared of getting the VIP stuff. I'm kind of debating that, and I normally never do. But hey, you're not. But I know you. But you're a fan. That's a thing. And I guess they're my favorite Korean music group. Yep. Anyway, that's it. Uh, as I said, we, we we've gone away over time, but that's that's like a month and a half. That's a month and a half. Uh, just uh, wanting to wanting to work itself out, and uh, hopefully, at least uh, with the uh, when we do our next regular episode. It won't be a month and a half. Although I could anticipate another uh, another space heater again before then. But it is, uh, well, it's Friday night, but it's late enough. So uh, let's enjoy that. So that's all we have to talk about here online tonight. Once again, if you have a, if you want to contact us, animeroundtable at gmail.com, at animeroundtable, animeroundtable.com, twitch.tv slash animeroundtable at some point. At some point, YouTube. As for the podcast side, please leave us a review, if you can, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Because good reviews might help in the algorithm and maybe uh, get us more listeners. What type of reviews? Kevin? Are we going to ask Mo the question, too? Five-star reviews. Thank you. What does Mo think? <laughs> Yeah, what does Mo think? I mean, five five stars is good, but you know, I think one stars are also good. Yeah, well, a it, star is better than no stars, right? Yes, I well, but that's <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, yeah. I see, I see the logic. Mm-hmm. As has been the case for the last little while, we we are aiming to try and at least put something up twice a month. This is uh, this is our quota episode, so we've accomplished it for for March. But we'll try and be a little bit, uh, we'll try and put things up as often as we could. In any event, well, first of all, life does suck once in a while. In any event, give us a subscribe, like, or follow on any of the platforms we're on, the ones we just listed, so you can be notified whenever we put up something new. Also, a quick reminder, if you have a Spotify account, check out the Anime Roundtable playlist for a list of music based on the things mentioned on this show. The theme song is entitled Fubuki Snowstorm by Pico Misaki, which is the title track of her current album. You can check out more of her music at PicoInfinity.com or on Facebook at PicoZenMusic. You could have listened to any anime podcast in the world, but you decided to listen to this one, and we really appreciate it. So thanks for listening, and join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable. <laughs>